happy Monday, listeners. Welcome to our 21st episode of Living in the Moment. To our Canadian listeners, happy Family Day. And to our American listeners, happy President's Day. Thank you for joining us. I got to sit down with Stephanie and Becky, who is our quality and training manager. Becky is responsible for overseeing our many training programs from orientation to learning each brand partner's processes, as well as working to ensure we are world-class in our quality. Today's conversation dives into what it was like to switch from onboarding and training in our office and in person to operating these processes fully remote. Most people who receive training in any job or capacity can say they were trained in person with a person guiding them along the way. With these unprecedented times, TLS had to innovate and we had to do so quickly. This is a fascinating conversation. Let's get into it. How are we on this lovely Wednesday? Good. Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. It's a busy day, but as expected for the middle of the week. Right. That means it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I have both of you here because you're our in-house experts of our switching training and onboarding to remote when we, when we went remote in 2020. So we haven't, I mean, obviously Stephanie and I have, but we have not officially met Becky in terms of living in the moment. So Becky, would you mind taking us through a little bit about your journey and your career up until now? Of course. So I have actually had a long journey at TLS. So I started back in 2012 as a moment maker on College Pro to do outbound for lead regen. And at that point, we weren't even moment makers. We were just agents back then doing lead regeneration. And we very quickly realized that I was not good at lead regeneration at all. (laughs) Very awkward calls asking people if they want to have more work done from a company that they either had a very good experience with or not a good experience. You're either hashing up those feelings that they didn't really have great memories of, or you're bringing up good ones. Most of the time we were bringing up unfortunate ones. So it wasn't very pleasant and you got a lot of people hanging up on you. I quickly moved to inbound and I was very good at inbound. I very much enjoyed it and it was wonderful. And I worked on College Pro for probably five years. And I worked on their complaints team, which was called the Cradle to Grave team, which is a little bit morbid, but we did really work with the customers to make sure they got a resolution. And it went all the way up to the president and we either had a resolution or there was no resolution. And it was marked as what we called a dead complaint. That wasn't really the goal, of course, but it happened occasionally. From there, I did a lot of training with College Pro, and I then revamped their training. And in the winters, I did a lot of outbound. So College Pro always slowed down in the winter, so we needed to fill my time with something, and outbound was a great fit for that. So I dialed on probably every outbound project we had since I started um, on every different brand that we've had and just little brands that we've brought in as well. And with that, we brought in Paul Davis for inbound. And that was really my big chance to take on training and really fix things up. 
So I launched Paul Davis. We built out their training and we built a really nice inbound team for them. And that's when I really became my team lead role. And then I moved into my training and development coordinator role, which meant that I learned how to actually build our e-learning courses and build out our training materials. And from there, I moved into the manager of quality and training, and that's where I am now. And really, my focus this year is on our quality. So we've really worked up until now to build out our training. And now I'm really focused on our quality. So that's really my journey at TLS. I've been in a lot of different positions at TLS, and some of those positions don't exist anymore. So they're kind of ones that come and go here and there. Um, but yeah, I've grown a lot at TLS since I've been here. That's all. <laughs> That's all that you've done. <laughs> what was it we said? Um, nine easy steps. <laughs> nine easy steps to be where I am. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. Well, what a story, though. And I can say with confidence that uh, as a college pro franchisee, anytime I saw a message from Miss Becky Scott, it was a good day. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I knew it would be accurate. I knew I'd have all the information and I was excited to uh, to handle it. So good. Thank you for sharing. Um, to, to dive on in a bit, I want to start with getting getting an understanding of how we were before we hit remote um, and made that switch. So what was the typical, I'll start with onboarding and then we'll go to training and then we'll go to remote. It'll, it'll happen. We'll figure out the journey, but how was onboarding originally when we were in office? Whoever wants to take that one. I can, I can start it from a hiring perspective. So it was, um, well, it was all in person. Like if we look at any part of that, what you just talked about, it was all in person. Um, we would do interviews in the office. People would come in, um, sit at the other side of the desk, interview and select. And then from there, um, they would be handed a paper package of um, forms to fill out. I think it was like, I don't know, maybe just under an inch thick yeah, it was of, of forms. <laughs> it was a good, it was significant. And um you know, and it was, but that's, that's how we did it. And uh, we even started um, putting them in a green envelope, like a lime green envelope, so that as they left the building, or as they went out to the elevator, if someone at TLS was riding up in the elevator, they would recognize it and say, oh, it looks like you're joining TLS. And it was, it was just to create that whole kind of welcoming thing. Um, so that, that's, that was kind of the hiring process. And then they they were handed to Becky and I'll let you take it from there, Becky. Yeah, so they would come in and meet with me and we would do orientation in the boardroom, which was in person. And they would have all of that paperwork filled out for me when they came in the door, which was fantastic. And then we would sit together and do orientation and we'd go on a journey really of the office and we would meet all of the management, we'd meet the team leaders, and really any moment makers that were sitting on the floor. And then we went downstairs and we would get their security key fobs and introduce them to the actual security of the building. Um, so we, we did a lot in a short little bit and then we'd move out to our training pods and we would do our self-learning portion. 
And that usually only took about the morning. So we started at 9 a.m. and we were usually done around noon. Um, so it was pretty quick for onboarding. And then we had them come back in the next day to meet their managers and get started with their training. And then what did they, what were the steps taken for training or, or how did they go through a training process to learn a full brand? Of course. So they would come in and meet their managers. That would be the very first thing that they would do. They would learn branding with their managers, go over the overview of processes with managers. This is back when we actually had a binder. So most of our stuff, we would be reviewing through the binder, branding, processes, and then you'd get your binder, which was a pretty special thing that you could be highlighting in and writing in and adding your own personal notes and sticky notes were a big thing. And then you move to your mentor. Mentor training was with a Y cord. So you sat side by side with your trainer and you could hear them talking to the customer. You could hear the customer and see them actually live navigating through their system. And eventually they would just kind of switch places with the trainee and have them start taking the calls and start actually typing. So they'd be doing mock calls in between all of that but there was really just a smooth transition of here, you sit in my seat and we'll get going with that. So we were known for having whiteboards. We would hold up whiteboards with little notes that said, hey, ask the customer this or click here. I'm known for training with chopsticks because I used to draw on the monitors with my pens. Um, so the chopstick helped me point on the screen without having to be in the way. And anyone that I trained, they then started training with chopsticks. So that was just kind of something that you knew if I trained them that they were gonna have a chopstick coming out of training kind of thing. But it was really very side by side. And then once they were done training, they still stayed very close to their trainers or someone that was a senior agent so that they could ask their questions. And because we sat in little pods, you could just ask questions to anybody sitting around but you also heard everyone else taking calls. So you kind of learned from all of your neighbors at the same time how they were taking calls. So it was a very different environment than we currently have. I would say so. And I would hope that if we continued um, in office, we could have maybe explored the option of branded chopsticks for Becky to pass down. Cause I think Alicia, you're speaking my <laughs> language. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and someone remind me later to circle back to branded sticky notes, but we'll get there because <laughs> I need a pack of those. So it's very hands-on, very simple to um, correct, like correct on a dime. Absolutely. If we need to quickly grab something, we can do it in real time on a call. Very little room for hiccups, so to speak. Absolutely. And managers could overhear training. They could just walk by and check in and just see how it's going or you could overhear things that were going wrong very quickly and be able to help or you could see sheer panic on people's face and know they need a little bit of help and you come over and help them so that visual side of things was a very special in the office where you could see if someone was in trouble without them needing to really raise their hand or send a message so that was certainly something special there too yeah and we, there, there was also an element uh, along with that is what we call tribal knowledge, where 
you had your training and you had your manual. And by the way, I'm pretty sure our paper costs have gone completely down to zero. We have, that was the goal. I could, I could expense some if that would make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the tribal knowledge is also an element of that being in those pods where like Becky spoke to it, they were learning off of each other. It's the peer to peer learning, but the tribal knowledge was never captured in training um, because it was, they were items that the people on the team found shortcuts on how to do things, found better ways of having to do things that we actually never had a feedback loop coming back in so that we could put it in training. So there was that element um, within office, which I think just really worked well um, for the tribal knowledge component. I agree. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fun game of telephone. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. An effective yeah. game of telephone, really. So to put a pin in um, that gap that is soon to be identified in training, because we can't be pointing at screens or anything, Quickly going back to the onboarding, I remember in um, when we when we had the episode about switching to remote, there was a little bit of a of a glitch or a hiccup in switching onboarding to be remote and running an orientation because Steph, I think you had said there was an orientation set for the following Monday that we had to postpone. So what was it to what was the process like to identify the gaps, understand what technology we had to do it, and just how we got onboarding and uh, orientation up and running? Yeah, so I, and I think it's, um, you know, yeah, there was, there was an orientation scheduled for that week um, that we all left the office. And I think it's also important to know that at that time, all of the North America was starting to close. So our volumes were dropping. And um, like shortly after going remote, we um, needed to lay people off because uh, we just didn't have the work for them. So um, and that and then everything was kind of quiet. We weren't hiring. We weren't training. I think it was for a good six weeks, um, yeah. Becky, where we didn't really have anything going on with new people. And then all of a sudden, um, I think people were now in their homes working uh, in North America thinking I need my room painted or I need storage and stuff like that. So our volume started coming back in. Uh, So we quickly realized we needed to hire. And um, I would say, um, you know, the the hiring component, I I stepped in there and I started with someone that I knew. Um, They were looking for a job. I, I wanted to start with someone that I knew because our forms were still paper. Like I had to drive them to her to get them signed, drive them back, like trying to just sort of figure it out. Um, and it was it was great to have her start and kind of go through that that learning process with myself and Becky, um, you know. And, um, and that was Mackenzie. She's still working at TLS, uh, and uh, Mackenzie was just able to really pick out what wasn't working well, what was working well. Um, and help us kind of define it for the next person coming on. Um, and then I would start to hire um, friends of people that were already working at TLS. So referrals um, was the next step to take what we had rapid prototyped with, the, with McKenzie and, and implement it um, with uh, the next level. And um, that was getting all the forms into Adobe 
um, so that they could be emailed out and electronically signed um, and getting those back in. So I was really focused on the hiring component and trying to figure that out, trying to, trying to do Zoom interviews and um, how to get people scheduling into my calendar remotely. Um, and Becky was really the one figuring out the actual orientation side of things and, and the shadowing. So I think she can speak more to that. But the, the hiring was really, it was testing, changing things, um, and having people that you could trust to um, bounce the ideas off of and get the feedback back in. So I think it wasn't until my fourth hiring wave where I started to actually hire people that um, were unknown to the people within TLS. And perfect segue into how, was it the full, when did we do our first remote orientation, I guess, is the start starting question. I bet you it was April. Does that yeah, sound about so. right? Yeah, yeah. April I feel like I'm late in April. A couple of weeks after remote then. Yeah, it yeah. A little bit it, of a buffer. It wasn't too long after, but like Steph said, we did have that lull. So we probably yeah. had about a six week kind of wait period, which was probably needed while our moment makers actually balanced out and got everything going. Yeah. But in that time, that was when I spent a lot of time figuring out Zoom. So that was something that I had joined meetings plenty of times prior, but I've never had to actually host a Zoom meeting. It was something that the brands always just asked us to join and we just showed up on camera. So it was very, very different. And we needed to get licenses for Zoom because personal licenses only lasted for one hour Zoom meetings. So there was a few little things like that, but then also our managers, they needed to support our frontline moment makers. So I really needed to shift our training and ensure that they weren't explaining branding anymore and they weren't doing all of the process explaining. So that's really when my focus shifted big time into e-learning and I produced a few very quick courses to reduce down the management time in the first couple of days for them as well. I had a question and then it went away. Maybe it'll come back. So <laughs> <laughs> compared to what we know orientation to be today, like as we sit today, it's, it's a pretty much a full Monday um, with a, I'd say like 80% self-learning, 20% guided slash um, collaborative in a, in a sense. What is that what it started to be or um, how did it grow to that full day? That's a good question. It did not start as a full day. It actually was a half day. And I still kept it very, very short. We still did the regular courses that we did in our original orientation and then we did my slideshow. Now the slideshow was very easy for me to put into remote. It was the exact same thing. I just needed to be able to present it in a virtual way. So that side of things went quite well. It really was the technical side of things. So Outlook and Microsoft Teams and all of those little tiny things that they actually needed to learn coming out of orientation where in the office, I used to just have everybody go as a group and everybody open up teams. And this is what we use it for. 
And that wasn't as easy to do because people would pick things up at different speeds in a virtual setting. So I did end up having to create training for that. So our orientation did definitely grow um, with adding in our TLS system setups as well, making sure that they were good and prepared for the Tuesday. Interesting. And so then we would have managers on board for Tuesday, again, in a virtual setting. Oh, it wasn't a question. What I was going to say was um, I, I have this like ongoing kind of a joke that I personally, I never remember a time before we had YouTube, like YouTube just made things so accessible. And like, I can't remember ever not having it. And I'm at this point now where I had never heard of Zoom before the year of 2020. And I can't remember a time we didn't have Zoom. <laughs> it's <insane. Very> true. <laughs> it's just so, a part of our world now, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a good part, but, but it allows us to do this, which is really nice. It does. Um, That's a, just to add, add to that, like that whole Zoom thing. Um, I had never turned my camera on in any um, virtual meetings before COVID. So and it, it, it's interesting the change because now you're, you're working from home. Now you have to do interviews. Your camera needs to be on. And um and you would see that in other coworkers as well. It was a slow turn on of the, of the camera. And then now it's just, if your camera's not on, it's kind of like, why isn't your camera on type of thing? <laughs> um, so it's, it's pretty funny, the progression. Um, Instant of, judgment. <laughs> through that, yeah. I do want to circle back to the hiring because as Becky was talking about the orientation and the system setup, when we were hiring in 2020, there was a, a big pool of candidates. So we could hire people that had already been in remote roles. And that's what I found um, with the people applying was they already had their, their, their area set up. They had the computer. They knew what it was like to work in remote roles, which I think helped us as well, um, that we could focus on um, those specific, um, that specific talent versus having to do what we did and, and have people that maybe wasn't aware of what a remote was because remote worker was because our, our managers were trying to um, navigate that change with our current staff that went um, remote. So I think that really helped. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I came in the tail end of 2020 and I kind of experienced that little bit of figuring, like really nailing down the requirements and the setup we needed and, everything that needed to be in place. And it was that expectations set, at least when I was interviewed in July of that year. So mm -hmm. what was um, that process like of identifying those things? Or was it really easy to just go to just mirror that in office setup? We know we need two monitors, therefore you need two monitors. And that's that. Yeah. That was a long process. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the at-home workstation went through many different um, what would the word be? Many different instances. Iterations. Yeah, iterations, iterations of, yeah. of what was needed. Um, I would say that by the time you were hired, Alicia, when we're looking at July, we did have a pretty good idea of what we needed. Um, and I think we just started asking for double monitors around that time when we recognized um, Becky had brought that forward specifically with Paul Davis needing the two monitors to navigate things. 
Um, but it went through other changes after that. I, I think we finalized the work from home role by January of 2021, um, where we were able to know confidently what people needed coming into the role. Um, but even then, I think we added the, um, the uh, wired connection after that, um, when we realized wireless was not just, it was not working as well with the systems yeah. that we use. So um, it was changing. And it, I feel it's always going to be changing because mm -hmm. the technology is changing. And um, like in 2020, the, 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 I believe the um, internet went through um, like a surge of people working from home. So there were even like loads on the um, internet outside of our control that had, had some things in there as well. But the future I think is um, the uh, virtual headsets. <laughs> but that's the future and that's a different podcast. Uh, I'd say so. Now I, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What is a virtual headset? Uh, well, they're they're the ones you just wear the headset and you're in. Oh, like a, like a v, literal VR. 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 Yeah, VR. Yeah. Oh, that'll be it. Yeah. Becky, good luck on that training. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a time! Um, oh my goodness, it escapes me again. I keep thinking of these things that I want to know and then they're gone. When we think about, so they go into Tuesday meeting with the manager in that virtual setting again. Oh, this was my question. We're going to have this the whole hour. Um, did we may or may not have some employees maybe working from bed? <laughs> did we have those challenges? Oh, we did. Absolutely. I oh, think good. we've ran into a slew of very different challenges than we were probably expecting to run into, um, especially with just your workspace, having a quiet space to work. That's probably one that's been the most challenging where someone may think that it's a quiet workspace and it, it actually is not. So I do think we've ran into many challenges or people working not with proper ergonomics and things like that, that are definitely of a concern for sure. As, as one would expect. Um, so moving into that Tuesday or the second day of their, of their journey with TLS and they meet with the manager in the virtual setting, they meet with the, the person training them in a virtual setting. How do we start to identify or shift that in-person chopstick or, or even just metaphorical chopstick um, of showing them in real time and listening to them in real time, how do we shift that to be conducive to a remote environment? Yeah, so that was that was tricky and it's still tricky to this day, um, simply because the systems that we use, you don't always have screen control. So we can request control of a screen, but depending on the permissions on specific systems and computers, it may not allow us to actually control someone's screen. So they really are relying on our verbal instructions. And we very much have to be extremely clear with exactly where we need people to click, exactly what the icon looks like that they're looking for, because we don't have the option to tap their screen anymore. 
um, and just take over their mouse. Like we used to be able to just grab a mouse and just kind of direct you along. And that's, that's not the way we can do it anymore. So you have to be very clear with your verbal instructions. And it's something that we really have to keep top of mind because it's, it's a challenging one for sure. Listening to the calls, our phone system has always allowed us to listen in. So team leads have always listened into calls for coaching. Um, so that was pretty easy with our old phone system for listening. It's a little more challenging with our newer system, but it's still absolutely possible. So they still get the same experience of hearing the customer. They still hear their mentor and they still are able to share a screen to see the mentor's screens as well, to see what they're doing in their system. So that feel is all the same. We just can't tap your screen as easily anymore and get you back on track. You're kind of needing to learn the skills and really put them into practice when we do train them. Okay, fair enough. And then how do you prepare or how did you prepare team leads or mentors or those that were doing the training, especially those that came from in office and were used to a certain way, like what does it look like to reorient them to a whole new experience? I thought about this with the prep that you sent. And honestly, the people that came from in office, we moved to remote and it was so much of a, we don't have a choice. We just have to figure this out so that I think anyone that moved with us in that sense was very malleable and very adaptable. So they just kind of shifted and moved with us and we worked as a group to figure things out. So as we went through a session, something might work really well for someone and they pass that feedback on to the other trainers. So that was really what we relied on was working as a team. Now, if you're looking at the trainers that we have that were trained remotely and are now teaching remotely, I do think that they have more compassion and more understanding towards that remote training than people that trained and were trained in the office. They're just going to have a different perspective on that, I think. So I don't think that it was a positive or a negative. I think that our team leads worked really, really good and our trainers worked really well to be flexible with us. I do think that people that were remotely trained and are training now are probably have a foot up in that sense, just because that's all that they know where people coming from the office, we probably will still choose to train in person nine times out of 10. I agree. Yeah. I think um, being one of those people that's pretty much only remote, I I can absolutely see the advantages of training in person, but like you said, it is all that I know. So like, that's what I'd be used to because I don't know any different. So that makes sense for I'll I'll throw this out to both of you with both hiring, onboarding, orientation, and training. Um, What's been most beneficial to having them remote as opposed to in office? I can, I can start that one off Um, being able to select people and talent that are not um, from the London area. So I think that's been the most valuable um, component is, is it just widened the selection pool. Yeah. That's exactly what I wrote down as well is that 
it just opened us to have even more moment makers join us that are very talented. And I think that that's the biggest win for us is we can hire across Canada where before we were really selected to London and the very close surrounding areas because of the winter weather, it can get a little touch and go to get into the office in the winter. So <laughs> you can't be too far away from the office by any means. So I think that that helped us immensely, even in the traveling of winter, we don't see call-ins for that anymore either, where everyone can just show up to work because your computer is right in your house with you. So I think that that was also a win for us is there's no travel restrictions to getting to the office or anything like that, which is very nice for people. What, what I'm hearing is that people had to be a bit more creative with their reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure that they are too. Yes. And, and I do, I do believe that it has, it has bettered our training and definitely increased my knowledge of online training. And I know Becky's been on a learning curve since, since well, the I don't know that of I'm the, coming the, off of that anytime <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> I know. Um, so if, if we didn't go remote, I don't think we would be as far along in our training as we are. So if we came all back to the office today, all of the items that Becky has created and put in place for training, we would be utilizing a good chunk of those in our training program. We wouldn't go back to how we trained before. We would do a hybrid of utilizing the best parts of in-person training and the best parts of um, virtual training uh, to create a, a well-rounded program. So I, I do believe it has bettered our training. Well, I think there's an argument to be said too that we, we're, we've shifted into this world where we're very, we try to be very self-sufficient or, or learn ourselves. And for me, at least, if I want to learn something new, I'm going to some kind of an online resource, whether it be YouTube or Wikipedia or Google or, or whatever it is, or sometimes TikTok. So I'll be fully honest right there. Um, <laughs> so there is that argument that even if we did go back in office, that it's a different connection point. And we, we're almost no longer learning that way because we need that online resource pretty much or that, that on-demand resource is really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And we knew that on-demand resource, like Becky and I knew that before COVID hit, we knew that there was, there was that kind of Google knowledge and fundamental knowledge. And um, it's just the going remote just sped up it did the, the need to get it in place um so it's it's been it has i think it's really helped move tls forward in a lot of ways i think if we didn't have our sharepoint in place and all of our brand specific pages that i had created yeah we would have been in a very different spot trying to shift remote so us going paperless it happened several years before we actually hit COVID, which was a blessing for us in the sense that all of our training was already online. We just needed to build out the e-learning courses. So that was that was something that was a huge win for us was we had already moved everything right. to the cloud and 
it made it quite easy in that sense. So that was a positive for us that we were a little ahead of the curve in that sense and COVID hit us and it really excelled us, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pillar to Post was the last brand, I think, that had the binder and they Pillar to Post had a binder that was, I don't know, it had to be five inches thick. It was the biggest it was it was a bible and and it and it was like i remember years ago like um like actually when i hired Miriam, um it was the hiring process for pillar was i would slam the binder down and say this is what you need to use that's not an intimidation tactic are you able to work with this well it it was like you got to be in or out yeah (laughs) Right. And that, and that took like 10 years to, to get online. Like Becky said, like we could have been in a different spot if it was, if that binder was still in place. What does that look like on a call though? If they stumble on something or they forget a little bit, is it like, let me find the page. <laughs> well, that was How does that work? Tab after tab after tab yeah. of adjuster, I'm assuming. And you've or inspector and you flip to their page and that was all their details and what you had to do. Yeah. I can say firsthand we're incredibly spoiled today. (laughs) We've came (laughs) a long way. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Don't don't get me started on fax machines because that's really going to date me, but (laughs) no, I think we uh, I think we covered enough about the fax machines when we (laughs) when we started the Path to Caricature series and TLS's history. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the handheld phones from Beth. They will be fun though in like five years to put the handheld phone photo next to the virtual headset. Look how far we've come. Um <laughs> so I would anticipate that engagement is a hurdle in both orientation and training, like just making sure that they're fully there. Cause it's, I mean, I've been through virtual, my own virtual training sessions before and during TLS, it's very easy to check out. So how did we gauge learning? How did we get past that hurdle? How did we actively try to engage people and try to prevent it? There's a question in there somewhere. Well, I think for me, I put on icebreakers um, at the beginning of my sessions. That's extremely important to me because I'm meeting our new hires for the very first time. So they're coming in and they are nervous. And we do introductions. And I very much set my meetings up that I'm presenting, which means chances are I'm not going to see the chat. So if you need anything, you have any questions, I ask them to just ask them immediately because... I'm never going to see the chats in time for them. So please just interrupt me while I'm going through. If I see someone turn off their camera, that's a key for me to ask, are they okay? And what's happening there? If you're not looking at me, I like to just ask, how's it going? You know, is everything good? Um, So the cameras are a huge win for us in that sense where we really can get a pretty quick gauge if you are fading off on us. We also have timeframes with our courses that we generally know that they should take. So that's my gauge as we go through the self-learning portion, who's falling behind and who's not. There's always a fairly 
good group of people that are going to stay on track. And then we usually have a couple that may fall a little bit behind. So I always have a buffer in there, but it's that's my key indicator right there is I always know how long a course should take and then a bit of an extra buffer just in case. And then anything above that, I know it's a bit of a concern and I should reach out to the moment maker and just make sure that they're okay. So that's kind of the way that I handle it and keep people engaged. I also do Teams chats. So we separate now into actual self-learning and I set up a Teams chat and I check in with them every hour. And I also have them just ask their questions there. So even though we've separated, we're still kind of as a group and I'm still checking in to make sure, hey, are we all engaged and are we still focused on our learning? So for me, that's how I keep people engaged in the sessions that I run. Yeah, that's a good point too about the icebreaker slash introductions. Cause I find that if you're in a group of people and you have that common, not just common sense of purpose, but just some kind of common ground, whether you related over where they're from or you related mm-hmm. over something in the icebreaker, like you're better, you're more likely to bond and work together in that sense. So I like that. Stephanie, you're our resident uh, TikTok pro. Anything that you've learned in terms of engagement in the, and how it quickly dies out after two minutes? <laughs> yeah, that, that just came up recently. I mean, I, I don't think we saw that through 2020 or um, probably not till the later half of 2021, but um, we received feed, like the, the TikToks, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting program. Like a lot of people are on TikTok. You see more people going on TikTok um, now, like a lot of the um, older generations and, and everything. And I mean, you can learn how to make a pasta within 30 seconds. And it's that it, it now it's easy steps. It's five easy, easy steps to make the pasta. You put the cream cheese, you put the tomatoes, you put the oil, you put the salt and pepper and you put it in the oven and then you mix it together. Like it's really simple. Um, and I think a lot of the attention span, I, I think it's having a huge impact on attention span um, just in general, because you can just swipe through what you don't want to see and watch what you do want to see. Um, so I think that co- combined with some feedback re- we received from our new hires last fall is that they're, they're really expecting, um, and it's the demographic we're hiring, I believe as well. It's a younger generation. Um, they're really expecting to do self-paced learning and um, not a lot of learning within a, within a chunk of time. Uh, and I think uh, TikTok has an impact to that. I mean, not everybody watches TikTok. Uh, so not everybody is going to have that, but even just emails and text messages and all of these different things that are going off in our lives, our attention span is, is a lot lower than it was before. So, um, you know, all of us have been talking about like in a training module that we do now, just change up what like the method of the training whether it's the media or whether it's um switching to some sort of list or something or switching out different pictures like changing it up every um you know minute or so so that or even lower if possible but so that their their engagement is just there so having more clickable things and and everything and i I think that will work but I, i do believe tiktok has had that impact on um on a lot of people I, I agree with the attention span point especially i i was just making this comment not too long ago that if i see more than three lines of text i'm not reading it 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's my own attention span. If you send me a paragraph, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's just an email, right? That's because yeah. like a text message is not a paragraph. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a character. Is there a character limit? In t- I don't know. I've never written more than, you know, five words in a text message. So there's, there's know. a character limit in that if you send a text that's so long, it'll give you an option to select more when you're reading right. it and uh-huh. then it'll expand the whole thing. And if that happens to you, you've probably done something wrong. Like yeah. that's my, that's my life advice. <laughs> yeah. If someone's sending you that long of a text, we got some issues. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we can do training in 30 seconds for our, for our people, but um, we can certainly do things that make it seem like they're spending 30 seconds or a minute on one area. Right. So um, I think that's important when we're doing, when we're building out those pieces. I do too. Absolutely. So what would we say are our biggest learning points from all of the past, how long has it been now? Almost two years for, oh my God, mm-hmm. um, that's a long time. So the last almost two years, what's been the biggest learning point in switching to remote, both that's proven to be successful and that did produce a challenge and therefore we pivoted or, or adjusted. I think that the Amazon workspace setup is one of our biggest learning points. We started with an actual document that had step by step by step on how you set up your Amazon workspace. And we just noticed that a number of people were coming in on Mondays, not having the right things set up. So we realized that that document was not working. And Steph, I think you actually took that document for a spin just to see what is it like on the moment maker side to set it up and identified quite a few gaps. So we moved it to a classroom session. We built out a slideshow for that. And that's now a mandatory thing for people to join on Fridays so that they're good to go on Mondays. So I do think that that was a big learning for us was text documents are probably not the way for a large setup. That's more of an in-person or video format for sure, but a text word document is really not the way to get that information over and be effective. So that was a big learning for that for sure. And then I always think that we just think things go much quicker than they do. So that was a big learning thing for me was that most things take longer always buffer an extra time for technical issues because in a remote space, we're bound to hit something um, that's gonna bounce our timelines that we have. So just buffering in a little bit of extra time. And I do think that if we have large groups, just having that backup support that can jump in if you do need them, I think that that was a big learning as well. Um, We have always brought in fairly large orientation groups, but That's one thing in virtual, if someone has a technical issue, it will derail the whole session for everybody. So having someone to pull in and try and take that person and get them back on track while you stay with the rest of your group, I think that was a big learning point for me as well, was really ensuring the whole group moves along and 
we're not just slowing down because of one person. Absolutely. I amen to that is all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just so I'm not piling on, because I agree with everything Becky said. Um, I think something else I learned is it's a forever changing landscape, um, virtual work. And um, we really have to be attentive to um, changes and being able to pivot quite quickly, um, whether it's new technology, whether it's, you know, a different, um, you know, way of learning, you know, someone coming in, I think it's just, it's a forever changing landscape. So you're never done in the training and development world. I think that's, that's one thing. And then the second thing too is, um, it's, it's important to know that when you're in a virtual world and you want to get a message to someone with instructions that, um, it has to be, it has to be tested because, you know, like I know how to do the, to do what I'm writing down. Like I know it. Um, but the way I write it is not let, is not, um, easy for the person to fully understand because I've left out words or I've left out a certain portion because I just, I just know it. And I know Becky spoke to me giving that um, set up a test drive. I, I think I was able to find gaps because I had never done that set up. Right. I had never, I had never gone through it. So, so I think it's important that you test out what you're trying to get across in um, writing or in a, in a message with someone who doesn't know anything about the, the topic you're on. So I think that'll really be a faster, faster way of um, updating and getting it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fall victim to that far too many times. Becky, I just sent you an email about an hour ago that it makes sense in my head. I don't think it would make sense to anyone else reading it, to be perfectly honest. So I wish you luck with that. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you, Alicia. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, an easy way to look at that, acronyms. Yeah. You have someone new coming into the office and, and all you, like, I, I went through that just with um, a new person we brought onto our team where I'm like going all these acronyms like WFO and, uh, you know, BD and, you know, SSO and like it's AWS, like it's all, it's kind of like I, you know, the person coming in is like, I have no clue what, what we're talking about, like that type of thing. So acronyms is a, is a key area to make sure we're listing everything out because it can be quite confusing for someone coming in with all of our acronyms. Didn't we just have that recently? Someone didn't know what one of the acronyms was and they're really confused. Warm transfer. It was That's, W slash T that like that sent me. a whole, that was you. <laughs> that was me because I had never seen it written that way. Yeah. Because um, we do... Um, like we've never written it that way. So I, I was trying to figure out like, what am I trying to help this person with? Cause I don't know what that, yeah. Yeah. We should that actually start a list to see how many acronyms we can put on the list. Yes. Oh, I was just on a call this morning list. where we, we <laughs> joked about having like work remote bingo. And it was like all the terms that you use working remotely, like yeah. back or... <laughs> You're, you're on mute. <laughs> yeah. You're on mute. <laughs> oh, I like it. Or, um, yeah. ever had someone walk in the background of your zoom? Thank God for virtual backgrounds. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
we've, we've learned so much technologically. <laughs> so I like to find some kind of a creative way to um, close these out. And typically it's the question of what do you do to live in the moment? And Becky, I want to hear yours. We've already heard from Steph as she is a repeat guest. So first, I guess it's a two-parter. First, Becky, what's something that you do to always live in the moment, personally, professionally? And it can be something that you try to do, but maybe it doesn't always happen because we're not all perfect. Well, you've been in my orientation, so you know that I am so huge on listening to understand versus listening to respond. Something that I say over and over and over again in orientation And that is something that I try and do all of the time because that truly does keep me in the moment and really engaged with people, whether it is at TLS or outside of TLS. So that's something that I keep front of mind all of the time. I like it. I like it very much. And my question to both of you is, um, whatever medium you use, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, Google, encyclopedias, they're not extinct yet. What, what is something that you love to learn, whether it be a skill or a topic, like what's one of those hobbies of yours that you just love to know more about? You want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? You can go first, Becky. For me, it's always about food, baking any words that I can learn or new techniques I can learn, I want to learn all about it. The other side of that is medical. You could throw as much medical things at me as possible. And that catches my interest every single time. And that's just because of my personal support worker background. I've always loved the medical side of things. So that is also something that I could listen to for hours and hours and hours and never get bored. I could never, but more power to you. I'm a, I'm a very like, ugh, I, I tense up when I imagine anything medical. Can't watch Grey's Anatomy for that exact reason. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> we balance each other out. It's okay. <laughs> Sam, how about you? It's a hard question. Um, only because I seem to take a hobby each year and different hobby each year and learn it and then, and then move on. Um, So I'll answer that with Becky said it, right? Like, what can you listen to and learn about all the time, no matter what? And uh, like, I do have to say Disney. I'm such a big Disney fan that I love learning about, um, you know, how they built the rides or, um, you know, how they came up with the songs or, how they did a certain animation and I have watched all of those series on Disney plus where they go in behind the scenes and, and kind of do everything. And I I'd say that that is the one topic I love learning about. I don't really do anything with it. Um, but I just love learning about, um, about everything there. So. Yeah. Very much the same way in that sense, but you're good at that. You can pinpoint a theme. I can't even do that. I just want to understand how I it's, it's the old show of um, how it's made or Mm -hmm. whatever it was called. Where like, that is my, my on repeat is just knowing how something is made. It doesn't really matter what it is. And then I I like like finding little connections. (laughs) Yeah. 
Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much. I feel enlightened. Um, I'm excited to see. I think next up, we're going to talk to one of our team leads and a moment maker who was trained remotely to get an understanding on that perspective. So thank you for kicking off this process. And um, it was exciting to learn all of it because like I said, I've only ever been on one side of it and, and that's all I know. So now I know more. We learned. We did. We did. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is good. Yes, thank I'm you for having me. It was wonderful. Oh, thank you for coming. I will, I'll let you get back to finish up your day and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Good. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. This has been such a fun series to start as we learn all about our remote operations. Before working here, I had only known TLS as fully in office with typical processes and procedures, and I am fascinated by the significant of a shift to working remotely. Like I said, coming up, we will sit down with a team lead and a moment maker to hear about that perspective of training remotely from both sides. That's going to be a really cool conversation. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for subscribing, and we will see you next week. Sometimes you need someone there for support. Sometimes-